I'm not a preacher, and I'm not drunk. I'm just a politician. Everybody, come out of your houses. Clarence Hillian is going to make you a super human being. All right, 23rd time's the charm on Crackpot Cinema. We have a really tremendous guest tonight. I am Mike McPadden. I'm the author of Heavy Metal Movies and Teen Movie Hell from Los Angeles. My co-host, Aaron Lee, comedy writer, producer, shows like Family Guy and Superstore and stuff like that. From another neighborhood in Los Angeles, our guest. Pat Healy, uh... Star of such uh, disreputable uh, cult classics as Cheap Thrills. Yeah. Yes. Keepers. Yes. Uh, compliance. God damn compliance. And many, yeah. many other uh, films. I directed a film and starred in with uh, Taylor Schilling on Netflix called Take Me from 2017. Uh, Take that, listeners. I'm a Virgo, so this is my season. <laughs> Oh, congratulations. When's your birthday? September 14th. All right. Fantastic. Oh, nice. So coming coming up. right up. Well, this, this episode will be running on your birthday. I can think of no greater oh, gift what an honor. to you and from you to the world. I'm such a fan of the show. I, my brother hit me to it, and I've, I've listened to every episode and every episode of the 70s podcast, too. So Thank you so much. Which yeah. you guessed it on uh, yes. to discuss Capricorn 1. Indeed. Awesome. This is a, I'm just only an Elliot Gould guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that that crossover. Yeah. And Telly Solid Solid Gould. <laughs> oh, Telly, yeah, Telly. And, and uh, did, so, you, did you... Wait, Mike, did, didn't we talk about compliance on one episode that wasn't the episode, Pat? I, I was just going to say, we've talked about it on this podcast several times. It's traumatized me. I, I the, 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 the first screening at Sundance was deeply, deeply traumatizing because people were so upset and... Some woman started yelling, rape is not entertainment, as soon as the movie ended, and we did the Q&A under duress and just just kind of paralyzed. And then we were rushed into an elevator immediately afterwards, and the security guard made the unfortunate mistake of using the words, we need to, we need to keep you safe, which it felt like, you know, like the Bobby Kennedy assassination or something. Yeah. Wow. And uh, needed Rosie Greer there. Yeah, I don't, I've seen it maybe one other time since, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's a rough one. I think I say compliance every you know, every couple of years you hear about some movie that's making people faint or you know they're throwing up at the Cannes Film Festival, and I really feel like compliance is the one that I could I could conceivably see that actually traumatizing an audience it, of all those movies that I've seen like you know that that were supposedly there was like the Vincent Gallo cannibalism movie Matilda. that I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> mass zing mass vomiting yeah. uh yeah it was it was really like that i mean i went all over the country yeah. with it and i even went to italy with it with uh, torino the festival that my brother programs and it, it you know we'd have regularly you know 50 walkouts and those people yeah. would not leave they would wait in the lobby for you to come out so they could yell at you <laughs> well, I was saying on that other episode that at the Wisconsin Film Festival screening was the only time I've ever been in a theater where people yelled at the screen and stormed out. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was like that always. And and people equally angry uh 
that it didn't make any sense and that they didn't believe it, even though it's you know right. exactly what happened. Right. That, that bothered yeah. people more, I think, because I think if you're the kind of person who uh, says, oh, that could never happen, then it's much more likely to happen to you. Whereas if you're sure. someone who like acknowledges that, uh, you know, that there's something in all of us that could make something like that, cause something like that to happen, then you're going to be much more vigilant about it. Um, which brings us to where yeah, we I mean, are in I the am world somebody, today. I am, oh, well, <laughs> I am powerless over salesmen. And, uh, you know, it truly, it unnerved me like every moment of that movie. I got a, I remember one time, first couple of years in L.A., and I was, you know, not emotionally right, let's say. And I went to get a smog check at one of those the corner gas stations. And yeah. I left there with, like, four new tires and, like, all this other <laughs> shit. And I, I pulled over to the road and cried because I knew I was being taken. Right. And I was powerless to do anything about it. Now, when we were buying a car about 10 years ago, uh, the guy was saying to me, like, oh, you're from Brooklyn? He goes, yeah, I, I lived in Brooklyn. And he was saying literally shit like, uh, you know, uh, Ebbets Field, Dodgers? And I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. He's like, love the baseball games with the Dodgers. And my wife is, like, kicking me under the table and going, stop it, stop it, don't say anything. Don't engage him. So buying the last car, I had to have fly my brother in to negotiate in my stead. <laughs> I was just out in the parking lot kicking stones <laughs> i i uh, remember the discussion we had on the podcast about compliance before we even knew you were going to be a guest pat was mike you and i were debating i'd love to get your take on this pat we were trying to think of another movie where an off-screen just a voiceover performance is that impactful like what what's another villain someone who's had that much power over a movie just through a voice performance i mean i do and, come and in we couldn't... i do come in about halfway through the movie and you see me a lot after that but there's like a movie where what is that the the larry cohen movie that he wrote that jill schumacher directed phone booth phone booth that's oh, phone good booth, yeah, yeah that's Which a good example was uh, uh Someone else, and then at the last minute, like right before they released it, they brought in Kiefer Sutherland to replace that actor. I can't remember who oh, the yes. actor was. I can't remember, but I remember. Yeah, it was a real last minute thing. Yeah, I, Gilbert we'll Gottfried. I think it was Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. Gilbert. And it just wasn't it was, so impactful. It, it yeah. was Billy Barty. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes, he beat out Gilbert. That's right. <laughs> that's right. As, as usual, it was between the two of them, and they went Barty again. <laughs> so. Uh, Tonight's episode, we're we are we're talking about Maniac Robert Mitchum, and uh, Aaron suggested the title of the episode be "Pat Healy is the Maniac Robert Mitchum." <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! I I I so eating my words because I said on the Capricorn One podcast, yeah. I want to be a Robert Mitchum completist. And I just regret that terribly. Well, now. I mean, you got oh, the God. worst parts out now <laughs> for true. this episode. It, I appreciate yeah, it. It's that. probably true. This was the heaviest lifting you'd ever have to do. That was a rough night last night, guys. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> that was like well, a rough so sea voyage. We're going to be talking about uh, Matilda from 1978 and Backfire! Exclamation point from 1995. <laughs> And uh, I wanted to talk about... Oh, wait, one other aside, I just made a note. Mr. Lee, I'm still awaiting the K-1 
cameo video that I won from you in a bet last episode. Oh, yeah, right. What was, yeah, Over, I completely forgot uh, about that. What movie John Lindsay starred in? <laughs> it was, was Rosebud. Rose, I, yes. I, yeah. I broke yes. out my old copy of the Golden Turkey Awards yes. to read the Matilda review, and I looked right. it up and was horrified to see that, yes, it was Rosebud. It was Rosebud, I, yes. I sadly don't have the... Were you supposed to get a John Lindsay uh, cameo? I thought he was dead. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, he's, yeah, oh, he's yeah. not with yeah. us yeah. anymore. No, I wish. I shared uh, Jim, my brother Jim's copy of Golden Turkey Awards, as well as the cult movie books and, and all of those. So I don't have any of them on hand, so I couldn't revisit. But I just remember the horrifying black and white photos from, from the Golden Turkey Awards. And, and <laughs> of, I had, of Matilda, you know. I had, yes, I had, Matilda. Yes, I yeah. had no idea that the movie existed. I mean, I was going to movies in 78. Like, I saw Grease and Jungle Book, and right. I saw American Graffiti in the theater. And I, I had... The Golden Turkey Awards is the first and only way I ever heard of this movie. I, well, you know, I'm doing some research because I it opened at Radio City Musical. <laughs> I, I've heard with, you say with, that before, but the stage funny. show was Chiffon. What is that? I pulled a bunch of ads. I don't know. I got to do some more research on that. But uh, it was you know, a full Rockette show, Rockettes. Yeah, it was a full Rockette show. Apparently, I found uh, I found a copy. I didn't buy it, but on eBay they have the program that they sold. Which oh is like yeah, this thick yeah. book. Of, oh, awesome. It has a, as a, a poem by Matilda called. It's like wow. me. What is it? I got it here. The story <laughs> of me glory by Matilda. <laughs> Wow. So she was like Coco the gorilla. Yeah. Well, also, it's a heat. I that know. Made they never insane. explained yeah. that. That was really a, yeah. annoying to me because I've always imagined Matilda was this powerful female uh, icon and heroine. And uh, yeah, well, it's a guy. And there's like one line. It's like, it's Matilda. Yeah, it's not a girl. It's because somebody says it's a girl, like one of the cops or yeah, something. Right. It's a heat. But they don't explain why it would be named Matilda ever. No. Wait, no. do you have the poem right there? Can we yeah, hear a line or two? Oh, yeah, yeah. come on. Yeah. Let's yeah, get, this is hear. a major... Let's see. Yeah, this, this is, is a huge reading From the program of the film Matilda. I'd like to introduce myself. <laughs> Me name's Matilda, and oh boy, am I tired. It ain't easy being the star attraction of the boxing world. If one more person takes a punch at me today... I just might slap him with me tail. Uck, uck. You see me games boxing. I'm six feet tall and weigh 195 pounds. Parentheses, if I don't eat too many chocolate bars. Exclamation. Mm -hmm. Me too. Oh, and uck, uck. Me species is Macropus, more commonly referred to as a kangaroo. Jesus Christ. Wow. It's lyrical. Six feet tall, like the the guy in the uh, that plays Matilda is like five five. And I didn't see any candy boys. I, I saw a lot of McDonald's Sundays being eaten by. Yeah, McDonald's. that was, looked really good. They looked really yeah. good. McDonald's. There's two McDonald's scenes. There's the scene where they go, and the kids are enchanted by Matilda in the yeah. parking lot, even though it's completely horrifying <laughs> in every way. Uh, <laughs> and then there's a scene later where, like, after Matilda completes training. They feed and they yeah. they slow zoom in on the the old yellow styrofoam quarter pounder. Yes, chest. that was the, uh, I was so nostalgic for me that. Me too. So I and, wanted it so bad. And Elliot Gould goes, "He's earned it. <laughs> He's earned it." Yeah. <laughs> but I also like the uh, the the setup uh, with uh, Billy, the jaunty British narrator. He says, "Oh, you know Elliot Gould." 
he was wise with the money, but we always ate good. And then they cut, cut to, to Art Petrano yeah. at the McDonald's <laughs> counter, getting the Sundays. Did, did you so, see the uh, thing? Did, I know we're jumping right into this movie. Yeah, we're all we would normally set fine. the table a bit more, but but yeah. but speaking of set the table, did you see the thing? Every like Wikipedia reference, Matilda, it always says this movie almost killed the Happy Meal. Did, did you see that? Like it yes. was so. But yeah. but from what I understand, the Happy Meal hadn't debuted yet. The first movie tie-in was Star Trek: Star Trek. The Motion yeah. Picture, which was that. next year. Yeah. yeah. So I don't understand well, what the what does that well, mean? Well, this is for what I can surmise. Well, first let's let let's just, let us yes, set please the, set the table, the plastic McDonald's serving tray. Um, so Matilda is a charming <laughs> <laughs> story of a boxing kangaroo who is uh, coached by a British pub owner and former uh, welterweight champion of of England, and uh, is then repped by Elliot Gould as a uh, Broadway Danny Rose style theatrical agent, like a Times Square on the fly guy, and Art Betrano as a cab driver also becomes another corner man. And it's all about Matilda's rise to the top of the boxing world, where Matilda's undefeated, knocking out all her opponents with one punch, except for the world heavyweight champion. Uh, when we, we learn at the end that uh, Matilda has a weakness and it ends on a bittersweet note, but mostly sweet. So that's uh, that's our walk through the plot. I- so this movie was, uh, at the time, Al Ruddy, the producer and co-writer, had brokered the greatest number and biggest um, overall product tie-ins of any film this is this is you know uh. star wars hadn't you know pioneered this they probably learned a bit from matilda um so he was all set to go and mcdonald's was debuting their sundays in 1978 which would have been a matilda thing and there's a variety article where it says by the end of this summer every living american will know matilda is a boxing kangaroo and I couldn't find the Variety article. It was just that line, which is from the Golden Turkey Awards, that quote. Um, so How could apparently one person the, have so thought what, that? <laughs> so what, from what I can tell, the movie opened in Radio City. I went through the Chicago Tribune and the L.A. Times, and it doesn't look like it ever got yeah, to I, I, the other two big markets. I don't think it played there. That's why I was not aware of it. Did and you it ran did you at find Radio that, City from June 22nd? Weirdly opening on a Thursday until August 4th when it was replaced by another movie we have to cover, The Magic of Lassie. Oh, yeah. I think I saw that back on the on TV So we days. go from uh, Bob Mitchum to Jimmy Stewart. And remember back in 97, they died like within two days of each other. You know, my, again, I keep bringing up my brother, but Jim Healy in... So it may have been... It was right before Mitchum died. So maybe it was 96. Yeah. Uh, on um, Right in front of Piper's Alley on uh, what street is that there in Chicago? Uh, That's uh, over by... Um, Clark and... Oh, or no, uh, it's where, where no. like Second City is. It's and, where Northwestern is, yeah. Oh, no, Piper's Alley. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's on uh, Wills. That's Wells. an old town. Well, you know, right. North, yeah. North and Wills. So uh, right. uh, there he is, bright as day, Robert Mitchum in a trench coat, fedora. Oh, wow. Giant sunglasses and smoking a cigar. Wow. And wow. It was just mm. like gobsmacked and didn't 
go up to say anything to him and you know kind of regretted it because he he died shortly thereafter although maybe that would yeah. have been you know not great yeah it would have been awesome he would have gotten punched in the face yeah it would have been a, <laughs> exactly. been a story for the rest of his life put a cigar out on his arm <laughs> yes yeah, it's, it's a fuck away from punched me. in the face it's yeah. a did fuck you away from me i'm so high right now <laughs> did you did you find in your research mike the new york daily news review of matilda yes i did and yeah. she saw it at radio city music hall yes yeah. and, and said let radio city music hall die don't <laughs> shut it down now don't let it continue yeah. to suffer these indignities kathleen carroll yeah yeah just yeah so, just so many puzzling decisions like like first of all i know uh, uh, clive revel is that how you say his name yeah, yeah that's so, my guess you yeah. know i know him from the billy wilder movies uh, uh sherlock holmes and uh avanti primarily but uh you know he was a big stage actor he's in oliver played fagin and oliver on broadway and uh so he plays a scotsman in the movie okay but in real life he's from new zealand yes and it's an australian kangaroo from yeah. australia like what <laughs> the fuck is like what is that logic like it's but they also call him a british man like it right. was like my british friend yeah yeah I, you know Did it's just like those like weird twist yourself and like uh what is that like uh, tripping over a, a dollar to pick up a nickel or whatever, you know, decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't those those fourth wall framing device remind you of 24-hour party people? That, that's what I thought of with him. <laughs> I that thought was about the, that the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, maybe you want to take all the drugs that were in 24-hour party people. <laughs> you needed them. Um, so, uh, should we say some general notes about uh, Matilda? Yeah. Um, I, I am shocked to say I'm getting the impression I enjoyed it a lot more than YouTube because wow. I genuinely here here's what I liked. It's a nonstop procession of character actor faces that it's like so fun to see. It it speaking of twenty four hour party people, it, it's like heroin. It's a very it's a very <laughs> low key, just like melt like, yeah, okay, nodding off, watching these character actors come up. Like I, I have to admit, and and Matilda is so disturbing, as we've talked about. Oh, yeah. And not enough Matilda on screen. I wanted way more Matilda. Anytime he appears, it's it's like it's so fucking bizarre and great. I Matilda just, so I, doesn't even isn't even like a character. Doesn't have any feelings <laughs> until the scene like towards the end when Elliot Gould is like comes away he's sleeping, kind of basically like bothers him. It's like oh. what the fuck you wake me up for? And uh, well, yes. so he could he, so he could rattle off that soliloquy which but I like, wrote down. Like, but Matilda no. never like interacts in any way with any characters in the movie. It's really weird. And I, then it turns out he's a poet. On top right, of everything, yeah. yes. we didn't know that till later. Story. I like how, how about the <laughs> how, how about the completely artless introduction of Matilda? You have him do the fourth wall thing. Hey, I'm going to tell you the story about this, yeah. and then you just cut to that terrible costume on a New York street, yeah. beating the it. shit out of people. Yeah. <laughs> like no, like we're just we're just yeah. going to throw you in, kids. Yeah, Good just luck. Like walking towards a Sabrat's hot dog stand, and then and like, knocking it over. People freak yeah. out, and it's just horrifying. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it, it's a horror movie if it's just like you know, <laughs> edited and scored just a little differently. That scene, yeah. Like I like his then his decision to. I mean, I agree with you. Like I love seeing Lionel Stander and oh, like, yeah. Johnny right. Montana and uh, you know Harry Gardino and all those people. But I was just like so bored. Uh, oh, it was God. so boring. That was the yeah. issue. <laughs> but needed yeah, more so, fights. Like, what is the logic to where 
So there's that scene, and the cops take Matilda away after the freak out <laughs> at the Sabbath's hot dog stand. <laughs> but then Clive Revel just looks up in the newspaper and goes to a talent agent. Like, that's his, like, idea immediately to solve the solution. And the talent, yeah. and the talent agent works for his brother-in-law, who's a boxing promoter, by chance. <laughs> Right. Like, yeah. It's just fucking stupid. And Who's like, tied oh, in with Uncle No-No, yeah, Uncle, the godfather with, of the New York mob. With that yeah. crappy fake godfather music that plays under yeah. all Yeah, oh, that was, that oh, was hilarious. Those were yeah. my favorite scenes. Yeah. Gar Harry Gardino, I gotta say, he was the MVP here for me. I he, loved he, seeing him. I loved every scene. The only genuinely funny scenes, not just like, this is stupid and it's fine. The only genuinely funny scenes to me were Gardino. I thought he was great. Yeah, I, I wrote down this, uh, when you first see him, he's reading in the newspaper account of Matilda knocking out Doherty to the champion. And he says, <laughs> Matilda planted a moist kiss on Doherty's yes. lips. <laughs> yeah, there's that scene that, there's the, like those scenes are cartoon-like. Like yeah. where they, they yeah. decide to capture Matilda by throwing a net over him and beating him with a gun. It's like... <laughs> And like try to cut off his tail, but it's like boink and like, you know, they fall down and stuff. But then the rest of the movie seems to like exist and try to exist in this real contemporary world. It also seems like it could have been a period movie, but it, they didn't have yeah. the money for it. Right. Because like the girl that uh, Elliot Gould gets to, to get with the boxer, she's like a torch singer in a nightclub. And it, it, yes, it's like all these things where it's like, uh, maybe this is a period movie and it could have worked as like a period cartoon type movie but right. it's like so horribly beige and brown looking like all wow. of it like like it's hard to like believe it wasn't shot in canada like it's so <laughs> like there is it there's a lot of grime you definitely get that 70s new york city filth air filth <laughs> yeah, <which is> <laughs> coating everything completely inappropriate for a kids movie about a boxing yeah. kangaroo well let me let me uh, read to you a, a quote from al ruddy uh, regarding whether or not Matilda is a kid's film. I read, oh, okay. oh. Most audiences will want to know how our characters operate and grow themselves, morally and spiritually. It is possibly the most sophisticated film ever to get a G rating. <laughs> we are not treating it as a movie for five-year-olds, but it will be safe to take them. That's, uh... Wow. <laughs> And that <laughs> he has two Best Picture Oscars already. Um, is one of them for Matilda? Is one of them for yes. Matilda? Yes. Yeah. Matilda, <laughs> Matilda and Cannibal Run 2. Okay. That's yeah. right. <laughs> but it's interesting because L. Ruddy plays the guy who's with Robert Mitchum at the boxing match at the end. Oh, that's a And he calls him Al. And he calls him Al. Yeah. And, and Mitchum has that. It seems like it was done in post, but it's like. It's it's a, as poetic as what you just said, which is he says like yeah. he gives a speech and then he ends it with, "Man doesn't just survive, Al. He's got to prevail." <laughs> it's like this whole message about the movie, where it's yeah. it's kind of like is... this uncanny valley theory where everybody loves Matilda until Matilda starts yeah. beating the shit out of a, guy, a man, <laughs> right. and then they hate him. Right, and I have to say. Watching Matilda beat the shit out of people was pretty funny. Yeah, especially like okay. in the montages and stuff. Yes. That was, it was the kangaroo suit beats the shit out of people. But here's the another... two. Yeah, go oh, ahead. Go, go ahead. Oh, well, I, I was, I was just, just gonna say, say quickly is that that there's a bunch of matches where Matilda punches 
and one punch and the person's knocked out and the crowd cheers like what crowd that just paid for a boxing <laughs> match to get I can well, this kind thing, of match yeah. That that's the old yeah that's the old king kong question like what was the show that <laughs> right. they were coming to see yeah, <laughs> yeah. but exactly. but it's funny when you because talking about this when you say oh it could have worked as a period movie i thought that too like if it had been in the 30s it would have been like oh kind of a fairy tale and you might have even accepted this terrible costume the only other version of this movie i could see working would be like the raid like just two hours of matilda beating the shit out of people you know or they shoot horses don't they just just, yeah. just but right. just yeah. that's the, the only part that's the only thing that worked like you're saying it was cool to see matilda beat the shit out of someone yeah. with digstown and as, soon as, as <laughs> yes. soon as you see matilda get gut checked in that last scene yeah. you see a look in that thing's eyes that like it's, it's like it, it, it could go carry at the end you know or just yeah. like yeah. goes yes. deep shit and kills everybody in that place like yeah but alas no they throw in the towel no because it turns out if you punch matilda once if you punch a kangaroo once they'll never punch again yeah which does anyone know if that's true or give a shit well, uh, <laughs> no we should all go I, to the zoo and find out I don't know the reality, but I always love looking in the IMDb user reviews of these movies. And yeah. my favorite Matilda user review was an Australian guy who his entire review was to say, don't try to fight a roo. They will kill you. They will, This is not funny. Don't see this movie and think it's okay. You will get killed if you fight a roo. So, so speaking of, we're, we're talking about how disturbing this this kangaroo is which, which is it's a dude in a suit but Ugh. until like the last 20 minutes the nothing moves on it like the eyes don't right, move the right. ears don't move anything so this is another al ruddy quote uh we <laughs> debated over using both a real kangaroo and an actor in costume and opted for the latter as cross-cutting proved too jarring for the viewer <laughs> Which means they shot footage. Which means they shot footage with a real kangaroo, right? They did a test run, yeah. However, the costume was a $30,000 investment that paid off, as it not only allowed freedom (laughs) of movement, but we were able to program it with transistors (laughs) to allow us to direct the actor's tiniest gesture. Like, when did that happen, ever, in the movie? (laughs) Like, it doesn't... It's like... And the guy, he doesn't even move like a kangaroo. He just, like, is like a... Moves like a no. dude in a suit. Who hops. The kangaroo always right. hops, though. Yeah, which is like, yeah, The one commitment to the performance. It is horrorous. like the horrifying dead eyes, and they... Yeah. Yeah, it's really scary. You were talking about that black and white photo in Golden Turkey Awards, and it's scarier than <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Like, like I guess the Donnie Darko rabbit was the only other thing that yeah. came to mind. <laughs> like for... But then I was thinking, is there... I feel like I've seen movies that have animals and people in costumes that have cut in between them and i can't think mm. of any i mean a gorilla suit is always funny and, and you accept right. that. yeah but yes this is that's just true. scary but i was thinking like maybe uh, you know march of the wooden soldiers i really i love that oh, monkey yeah. that plays mickey mouse yeah and i was thinking did oh. they ever just have like a mickey mouse suit or something where the monkey wasn't in it but they must be doing know. stuff now with digital where they're blending footage with you know people real people and yeah. animals and stuff like that I, I would imagine like those those new planet of the apes movies and stuff but i i, I right. don't know I, not, not to my knowledge wasn't some of howard the duck with a real duck in some of those scenes <laughs> uh, <I wish. laughs> that was a movie we I... went to see twice just because we had to like 
tell show all of our friends. We we all worked at the movie theater at the time, and it was playing in seventy millimeter at the Woodfield Theater in Schaumburg, Illinois. So Jim and mm. I and and a bunch of guys went back to show them Howard Doc. You got to see this. It's the worst fucking thing ever. And brought a bunch of people and were, who were like, "Why did you bring us to this?" And we really had no good explanation. I that was scheduled twice. to play the music box in 70 millimeter this summer. Yeah, that was probably the same happen. print. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I loved Howard the Duck, but say what you will about Howard the Duck. At least that's a movie where it had a really shitty main character costume, but it, you know, it went with it. Like where Matilda yeah. is like, okay, this looks like shit. And so they <clears throat> kind of cut Matilda out of the movie. It's crazy. Yeah. There's no Matilda in Matilda. My main beef with that was I was a big Marvel Comics fan and I loved Howard the Duck, but he was like this like dirty cigar chomping guy. And then the movie was like, he was like cute. Yeah. yeah. And I was yeah. like, what is the point of this? If you're not going to appeal to the fans and nobody else gives a shit, then who is this for? My, my main beef was his eyes. His eyes creeped me out. Remember, he, he had the big duck head. Yeah. And yeah. the kind of Howard the Duck design, but then with little human eyes, it was the worst design choice. What I liked possible. was they remember they teased like you they they would show his shadow like you're not gonna believe you know yeah. you will believe a man can fly yeah and, you know well that was that was and it shows up and you're like that for that yeah Jesus yeah. Do, do you remember the anecdote I always remember this from like I, I feel like I read this in an old Variety when I was a kid like that that when that came out like that at the premiere leah thompson ran out in tears sobbing no. and and she was stopped by the interviewer and she said oh i'm just so overjoyed by how good the movie <laughs> is and, and even now, at the time at that age i was like now that that doesn't sound that no. doesn't add up now that didn't you you came across Lori petty i can't believe you remember that i can't i wasn't gonna how bring could it I forget up it? i can't yes i i witnessed the same thing happen when i first moved to la at the premiere of tank girl that's well, right. we went to see Major Pain. <laughs> yes, and like you went out to the bathroom or something, to throw up probably. And you, and then after you're like, Lori Petty was standing outside a tanko crying. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. I couldn't believe it. Oh, well, that was fun. Know. We all have those. Yeah, trust me. Yeah, and that's that also movie reminds I like. me Tank of Girl. I love that movie. Right. You love movies that make women cry. That's your <laughs> any, anything that makes the actresses burst into tears. You know, I felt kind of ripped off. Uh, is on the poster for Matilda, it features very prominently Elliot Gould, Robert Mitchum, and Roy Clark. And Roy Clark is in right. it for like two oh, seconds. I know. I yeah. know. Yeah, that's true. That it was like to down. get the Southern audience in. Yeah. Yeah. As like Wild Bill Wildman Did was you, his name. Right. Yeah. And he's not wild at all. He sits behind a desk for like three yeah. minutes and then he's out of the movie. Says, ooh wee, kangaroo. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, did you guys have those commercials with the Roy, Roy Clark's banjo lessons commercials? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my God. I know. Those were amazing. It was like a series of colored dots that you put yeah. on your banjo. <laughs> and he, it was the best because he'd go like, uh, you could play songs like the Camp Town Races. Yeah. Cap down races, sing this song. Do da, do da, bum. And that was it. I remember Yankee Doodle was one of them. Yeah. Yankee Doodle. The thing like on the, the record commercials where all the titles would, would yeah. scroll over as he Yeah, and it was all like Mary Had a Little Lamb. Yeah. Row, row, row your boat. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember the Kenny Rogers fun strumming? No. Boom, da, 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 da. Quick picking. I didn't see that. It one. was Kenny Rogers guitar lessons before he had like big solo hit like right before 
And I didn't know it was Kenny Rogers on that commercial till he just recently died. So it was, I just remember the fun strumming, quick picking. Yeah. So he wasn't identified as Kenny Rogers on. He the, was, oh, he but was. it but it was like this is I'm Kenny Rogers, but I, I didn't know who he was as a pre seventy superstar yeah. gambler, yes. Kenny Rogers. Yeah. So um, there's not a lot else to say about Matilda the movie itself, but let's so let's circle back. We didn't come up with a rating system. Yeah. This week. Which oh, yeah. Do. So I have three suggestions. Oh, God. Okay. Mitch or bitch. Mm, that's good. <laughs> Thunder Road or Chunder Load. <laughs> that's great. That might or be it. N- Night of the Hunter or Sight of a Dumper. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. had, uh, I had a Cape Fear or a Rape Rear. <laughs> oh, God. Al, forget it. Let's let's and just go with yeah. that. Yeah, and then I had another horrible one that I just used that sounds like Robert Mitchum's name, but it's just dirty. <laughs> oh, what? It's too yeah. offensive yeah. compared to Rain oh, Maria. It's, yeah. it's 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 one of it's one of uh, you know like an Aaron Lee style one. It's a, Robert Mitchum or Rotten Shit Come. <laughs> okay, I like that. That's yeah, the one. Yeah, I like Rotten that. Too. Shit. That I was wins. afraid yeah. you were gonna like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. you you're there right. We go. You were Cause, right. Because uh, I would thought Blight of the Blunder, but you, you, you had a much better <laughs> Night of the Hunter. Uh, yeah. What is it again? Sight of, a, sight of a dumper. <laughs> sight, sight of but a I like dumper. rotten shit cum. <laughs> rotten shit cum. Yeah. No, All right. He's hard. Yeah, I mean, I just, I like and, rotten shit cum in general, but I also like sure. it as our rating well, system. What's and, not to like? And to bring it back to Mitchum, here's the thing I will say about him watching Matilda, that I, I was trying to debate, like, okay, he was he was great. He was awesome. He was an amazing actor. He was always fun yeah. to watch. And But I was thinking the brilliance of the whole Mitchum thing of, like, I don't try. It's all bullshit. It, you know, that whole part of his mystique. Right. Yeah. I, I think it made him, when you watch him, I'm not embarrassed for Robert Mitchum watching this. Never. You know what I mean? You no. you don't get that John Carradine feeling of, like, oh, it's so yeah. sad. This like you're, you're not embarrassed for him. And I'm going to say the same thing for Backfire, too. I, I, no I no spoilers. I totally agree. He's, yes. He has an integrity to him. Always. Yes. It's it's part of his mystique and it and it pays off and made this much less painful. Both of these less painful to watch for me. And you know he's he's not always the laconic guy. Like he's a maniac in in Night of the Hunter and Cape Fear. He's right. he's very sweet in um, you know like Heaven Knows Mr. Allison and 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 uh, you know like Friends of Eddie Coyle. He's just heartbreakingly sad. You know yeah. desolate guy. So he had a range within you know what he did, but. Yes, he always had an ease and and a confidence, and he just is. He plays this with integrity. Like he's the only person who's like kind of knows what movie he's in, and it might not be the same movie that everybody else is in, but he he's just you know plays a straight up guy. Whereas like the mobsters are cartoon characters, and Elliot Gould just sort of yells everything and. Yeah, <laughs> Gould is not really trying. Like, like uh, the the movie that I feel like Mike and I rediscovered this year was that, and I think we both loved it so much was the L.A. Gould movie, The Silent Partner. Oh, when great. that Blu-ray yeah. came out, amazing. I think and same that, year as this, right? Seventy eight. Oh yes, my God, is it really? And he's so good in that. And you and you can just and and he has that great interview on the disc where he talks about how he likes to. Take every scene to fuck around, to find, I'm going to find the thing in the scene that wasn't there, and I'm going to end the scene where you wanted it, but I'm going to, and you can tell Matilda, he's just like, get it, get it over with. Get, it not, out, get not, the lines out, and also, like, 
he looked at the script. He thinks it's shitty, so he's yes. making he's making fun of the lines as he says them. He's like he's saying yes, in quotation sure. marks. Yeah, I found yeah. I found something. Elliot Gould said that Al Ruddy tried to buy back his points on the movie, <laughs> and he offered him hundreds of thousands of dollars. But Gould said he thought that was bad karma, and then he says that was bad judgment on my part. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Elliot Gold also says, you know, like, this could be a review of the movie. And that scene, I keep coming back to the manger scene, I call it, with Matilda sleeping in the, the barn or whatever oh, yes. it is. Elliot Gold says, who made you and why? <laughs> well, actually, what he says, Pat, is, you're a funny beast, Matilda. Where are you coming from? Who made you and why? Why? Why should you? The most funny-looking, put-together animal in the world have this great talent. Has the spirit of Dempsey and Sugar Ray entered your body? But why you, Matilda? Other kangaroos are in circuses or in zoos or in carnivals. But never, no one, no one like you. Are you going along with what started out as a gag and now laughing your head off? Well, whatever it is, there's something I want to say. No matter how we make out, you and Billy are winners. And for the first time in my life, you made me a winner too. Thanks. That's beautiful. <laughs> that nice. damn award yes. Well, this yes. is shit. That's, that's some more of that sort of Al Ruddy uh, poetry. That's, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. we should point out that this movie was co-written by the writer and director of a movie you guys talked about, Sunnyside, Timothy Galvin. Yes, yeah. Writer and director that's of right. Sunnyside, starring Joey yeah. Travolta. But also... Right. Strangely, uh, was a cinematographer as well, who shot *Rhinestone*, mm. *Summer Lovers*, and *The Lord of the Rings*. The Ralph Bakshi *Lord of the Rings* movie. I guess yeah. he was the. And I think Al and uh, um, what was that guy's name? I lost it here. Uh, yeah. Both writers had worked with Ralph Bakshi. Uh, it's based on a book by uh, yeah. Paul Gallico, who wrote The Poseidon Adventure, and Al Ruddy. Yeah, the, but the, the Al Ruddy poetry is, uh, I mean, yeah. judging from the quote that you read from him, that speech was definitely written by Al Ruddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, I, I kind of uh, respected that. About, uh, I, just, I was going to say, I kind of respected that Paul Gallico, I didn't know anything about him, who wrote the novel that Matilda was based on. Yeah, what kind of yeah. novel is that? I, I'd love to know. Also wrote the novel of the Poseidon Adventure, which I yeah. didn't know was a novel yeah. first before yeah. the movie. Uh, but that his claim to fame, he was a movie critic and sports writer who said to Jack Dempsey, spar with me for an article. And Jack Dempsey knocked him out. And he wow. wrote an article. I got knocked out by Jack Dempsey. So, yeah. I bet I bet you his book is a period movie. I bet you. I, I, I bet it is. I bet you're right. And they couldn't. Yeah, I bet you're right. I mean, it could be wrong, but I don't know what we'd bet, but also a cameo Dan that I never deliver cameo videos. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel Mann directed this movie right? and Daniel Mann directed Shirley Booth to the best actress Oscar in Comeback Little Sheba. Terrific movie. Elizabeth Taylor's best actress Oscar in Butterfield 8 and, like and Anna Magnani in The Rose Tattoo. They all won the best actress Oscars, all three movies. That oh, he directed. wow. But yeah. and then he made Matilda. <laughs> well, he also made Who's Been Sleeping in My Bed with Dean Martin. Right. Our Man Flint. Yes. And Willard. Willard is a good one. 
Yes. Oh, a real good one. And another Golden Turkey Awards uh, special. I saw Tea House of the August Moon. That's right. Where yeah. Marlon Brando was like, wasn't that like they he, he got the award Japanese. for most offensive yeah. ethnic? Yeah. yeah, that that yeah. category is kind of ahead of its time. Uh, it's yeah. really only starting to talk about that kind of stuff now. Yeah, most yeah. most most offensive portrayal of an ethnic stereotype. I think <laughs> yeah, is what yeah. that's right. It is. Yeah. And I like they uh, they saluted Jer. Um, I called him Jeremy. Robbie Benson for Walk Proud, where he plays a Chicano gang leader. So one of my favorite uh, trailers. Robbie Benson is Emilio Mendez. <laughs> <laughs> Walk Proud. <laughs> so uh, the music was by, uh, the score was by Gerald Emel, mm. who wrote the theme song to Dallas. And also and- did Megaforce. Oh, oh wow. shit! The which music? was co- which was written by Al Ruddy. Yeah, produced and written by Al Ruddy and directed by mm-hmm. Hal Needham. Do you Wait. know Al Ruddy also created Hogan's Heroes? I didn't know that. No. Yeah. Wait, did he do the Megaforce theme song? Is that what you're saying? Gerald, Immel. which which uh, rocks, which kicks ass. Yeah, I think I he did all correctly. the music for the movie. The the theme song to Matilda is very sexy. Didn't you think? Oh. I thought it could have been like an Italian sex I was comedy. Say, let's talk about this. It's very shit. It's very je t'aime, yeah. mais non plus. It, yeah, yeah. I think it was the Boone's version of uh, Lemon Incest by uh, Serge <laughs> yes. Charlotte Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah it really yeah, set like me up for a different movie. Something stupid with uh, Frank and Nancy <laughs> yeah. yes. singing a love well. song together. <laughs> when I'm with you, I'm feeling good. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's going to be good because it opens on an aerial shot of New York City, unlike any other movie you've seen before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the music was by uh, Carol Connors. We'll get to her in a minute. Lyrics by Ernie Sheldon. Produced by Mike Kerb, who's a fascinating freak that we've yeah. talked about in past episodes. Um, among many things, he was the head of, I think it was Atlantic Records. I can't, No, that was the, the... Anyway, some major... And in 1970, got rid of Frank Zappa and the Velvet Underground for promoting hard drug use. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, you know, the Mike Curb Congregation, one of my all-time favorite songs, uh, Burning Bridges from oh, Kelly's, Kelly's Heroes. Heroes. Burning Plays Bridges three times now in forevermore. Kelly's <laughs> yes. An anti-hippie song. <laughs> in and, Kelly's heroes. And there's a hippie in World War II. By, by exactly, by yeah, oddball. As Telly says, he's a goddamn freak! <laughs> um, so Ernie Sheldon, who wrote the lyrics, wrote the lyrics to the incredible Lord Loveduck theme song. Oh, that's a good one, too. I'm yeah. about to watch that, because I heard you guys talking about that on oh, our yeah. podcast. Oh, yes, it just got, it's just coming out on Blu-ray and, with no special features, and, unfortunately. And it's on right. Amazon Prime right now, so I'm going to yeah. watch it. Yes, and you can listen to... Uh, our Busted Guts episode, me and Cat Ellen right. talk about that. Um, so, and then the music is by Carol Connors, and I got all excited that it was Carol Connors, the porn star mom of Thora Birch. <laughs> Especially since the erotic adventures of Candy, like, opened right around so- the same time as Matilda. Wow. But uh, it was not Carol Con- It was uh, the Carol Connors who was Elvis's girlfriend in the 50s and a singer in the Teddy Bears. Hmm. You know, to know him is to love him. Now, uh, Aaron, you had an encounter with Carol Connors and Thora Birch at the Playboy Mansion. I had a few. 
Really? Yeah. I, yeah. you know, I, I want to hear yours, Pat, because I don't think I even remember that. Do you remember the star, Mike? I don't, I don't remember. I do. You were there shooting a special with another comedian. I remember that. That I remember and because I got, uh, this is an unsavory story to tell, but I got diarrhea that night. That's what I remember. <laughs> and one of the playmates let Did me you drink use the, the grotto water. No, no, I, no, it's, it's the most cliche comedy story possible. I had eaten Mexican food beforehand and got food poisoning. And one of the playmates, Playmates let me use a secret playmate bathroom. She took pity oh, wow. on me and was like, "Come on, come!" What took me through the barracks to the yeah. secret bathroom? She was like, "It's going to be okay." So was that, that blocked out there? that blocked out the Thora Birch anecdote, apparently. So the story was that uh, you were just kind of hanging out in the library, and this uh, really uh, attractive young lady, who blonde girl, who was very busty with. Had a lot of cleavage with a cigarette burn on one of her her breasts. Jesus, <laughs> oh, came boy. up to you and said, "Who are you?" And you said, uh, "I'm a comedian. I'm working on a special." And she said, "Okay, tell me a joke." And you told her a joke, and she said, "Oh, that's funny." And uh, it was the joke about the the I think the baby it was dead already was the punchline, <laughs> which I, I was then on Family Guy okay. before you got there. Anyway, all right, okay. Um, so, and then she's like, "That's funny," and then. She said, hey, mom, come in here. And then, like, her, her mother came in, who was, like, a, a sexy old la blonde lady. And he said, she said, tell her a joke, too. So you told her a joke. And then another comedian came in and said, oh, hey, Thora. Hi, Carol. Oh, wow. Yeah. God. That, that, that's vaguely familiar, and I can't believe I don't. Yeah, so. no, I, I, I see that every time I close my eyes, that story. I've never done <laughs> <forget> that. <yeah. laughs> No, you know, you know what you remind when you start thinking. What? No, I'll tell you, the '90s star story like that that popped in my head was when I met uh, Feruza Balk and Ron Jeremy at a hustler party. <laughs> that's that's oh, the wow. one I remember. Yeah. I remember them hanging out. I don't remember Thor Birch and her mom Carol Connors. So, at but the Pat, Playboy Pat, what is your experience? Uh, I, I mean, just this? I saw them uh, a, a few times around Ghost World because there was like a premiere and then there was like another screening and I guess that was part of the I didn't really know that they, I mean they seemed odd but I, I didn't uh, I didn't really know what the deal was until like you know her career just didn't take off after that and then there were all these stories about the parents you know really right. riding oh yeah heavy on the her father was interfering yeah yeah uh, but you know they just seems sort of odd but you reminded me I do I was at the Playboy Mansion once which again my brother Jim was friends with Robert Culp. So, wow. Culp invited us for a movie night. And um, it was, you know, one night a week, Hef would watch a new movie, and right. one night he would watch an older movie. <clears throat> and we saw this um, Otto Preminger movie called Whirlpool, I think it's called. It's good. It's yeah, a noir from yeah. <clears throat> either the late 40s or the early 50s. I think Dana Andrews is in it. And, uh, the guests were Chuck McCann, oh. <laughs> uh, El Elliot Silverstein, director of Capaloo and, and other uh, wow. films. Um, Ralph's, the, the, the heir to the Ralph's supermarket uh, fortune, <laughs> Mr. Ralph's. Wow. So somebody else there. And, and they have like, a, you know, that buffet style dinner. And then you sit in the little theater and Hef sits in front. He was at, at that time had the two blonde girlfriends that had their own e-show or whatever right and uh he wore headphones 
and there was you know candy all over and uh and popcorn and stuff and and that was like a yeah kind of a fun cool strange night luscious fun group of people <laughs> half half soul pals here so, i'll just wait i'll just tell you in five seconds here's the yeah. only other playboy mansion anecdote i remember is jesse jackson called me an asshole <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just drop that uh, anyways go, go ahead no how did that happen I, I was in his way and he literally said get out of my way you asshole and he kept walking i'm not <laughs> wow. kidding he, yeah. sh- he shook my hand once during the writer's strike he came to speak oh i think it was great. where seth mcfarland was that was giving a speech it was like at that makes in sense front of the, one of the agencies or something and he he's had a very powerful handshake. He, he might have my hand, all. asshole. Yeah. Oh yeah, I got out of his way. Believe me. Yeah. I got the question right out is moot. <laughs> <laughs> so Carol Connors uh, also wrote "Hey Little Cobra" by the Ripcords, yeah. which is awesome. She co-wrote "Gonna Fly Now" from Rocky, or got an Oscar nomination. All right. And she sings "We Are One" the theme song from Orca. Oh, oh, that was good. Oh, that and was in addition, good. she uh, co-wrote and sings It's Wrong for Me to Love You, the theme song from Butterfly. And she co-wrote that with Ennio Morricone. Right. Mm-hmm. She worked with All that, and she times. testified at the OJ trial, saying that she saw OJ the night before the murders at a charity event. Wow. So... That's a that's a crackpot figure for us. Yeah, she, she saw OJ and he looked scared. <laughs> <laughs> he looked scared. Uh, wow, that's a lot. Can I tell my OJ story? Please. <laughs> okay. So, I was working at Hustler in uh, June of '94 when all that went down, and uh, the OJ chase happened, and I was going to a meditation. Uh, gathering at a at a uh, monastery in Malibu that night, and we were on the 405 when we got word that OJ wow. was behind us. <laughs> oh. Now I didn't see him or anything, but I we started to see people <laughs> on the overpass waving their signs and stuff, and the cops are just like screaming "Go, go, go!" <laughs> and then like, you know, trying to get people out of the way and everything. So we uh, get to um this monastery and. I got I have to I have to tell this story carefully. Um, so so this was a meditation uh, gathering and the guy who was giving the talk was like flamingly gay, like like Liberace. And he was saying like, "Oh, you know, I used to just hang by the pool and it was just like one picture of martinis after another." And then he <laughs> says, uh, "And you know, uh Many many of you know the man who got me into meditation, Troy D. He now lives in Hawaii. Uh. So it turned out it was Ed Kookie Burns. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Wait, who was brought it that was into Ed, the world of He was given the speech? Yeah. It was Ed Kookie Burns who was Liberace gay. That's yeah. great. I just went to the double feature of Wicked Wicked. Yes, awesome. that's I mean, the ticket. Right before Wicked, 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 that's, that's the ticket. a ticket. Yeah. And another so one. Any, any gun can play or any gun can win is a spaghetti oh, yeah. western we started. Yes, yes. Because around the oh, time of the, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was about to come out, they were showing all these movies that were right. supposed to be like the character that, that DiCaprio right. was playing. Uh, but I, yeah, wow. That surprised so, me. So then after that, we couldn't go back on the highway <laughs> for a while. So we are just in this monastery watching TV. 
and we saw the uh, we had it on ABC News, and we saw the Asiogi. <laughs> we were watching at home. It was in picture in picture during the basketball playoffs game. Right. And that night at midnight, this was already planned. We went to see Spider Baby at the Music Box Theater. Holy oh, smokes! Wow. Nice. Wow. That was, I guess, that was like that movie had not been available for a long time, and they re-released it then. Wow. Yeah. That, that, oh, I was just going to say, that Ed Burns thing, isn't that the legend of Raymond Burr on the Perry Mason set? Don't you always hear that? Yeah, yeah. right, right. Yes, you would always hear it. The the later it would get, the more effeminate he would become, and yeah. He said during, they would turn off the mics, and he would like roll his shirt up he would like tie his shirt and not with his big belly out going oh it's just powerful, powerful <laughs> yeah. someone that worked on those uh the the perry mason movies in the 90s that he did in the 80s and 90s said yeah. that every day he could be in the middle of a line of dialogue if the clock hit five o'clock he just was out you'd hear like the car <laughs> revving, like, that's great he'd be down the block already no, that's a wrap. Oh man, it's too bad it wasn't Ironside. He could have just like yeah. rocketed <laughs> it rolled off the, out. He could have yeah, <laughs> called the guy that pushed <laughs> him. Yeah, that's it. Well, didn't he insist on being in the chair all day long on the Ironside sets? Like he never walked on those sets. I would have. I don't know. He yeah. probably told him that was a method thing, but he really just yeah. didn't want to move. <laughs> yeah, who can be bothered? Yeah. Uh, Oh, you know what? A name that comes up on your show a lot is yes. finance this movie, Melvin Simon. Oh, the, shit. The king the of the shopping, shopping mall. Shopping yeah. mall. Yeah. It said he, he's financed it for $5.2 million, sold right. it to CBS TV. Everybody thought this movie was going to be a big hit for 2.5, yeah. foreign sales, 1.6, and AIP paid a $1.8 million advance. So he made a half a million dollars. He's probably the only person to make money off this movie. Wow. God bless him. Yeah, he, it's an AIP film presented by Samuel Z. Arkoff. Yeah. And uh, but I want to say that Matilda and Ben, you might remember this too. It got a huge push in New York. Yeah. So I mean, it was there were big TV campaigns, big radio campaigns. It was advertised on milk cartons, which was a thing that happened back then. Before uh-huh. kids started disappearing. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. But I and it the had kids would go to the movies and get lost. But it yeah. had the stink of death around it almost immediately because I didn't see it and I was like, oh. No, like I heard right away, this is a bomb. Yeah. Dude, just to the see only... the the cursed image of that kangaroo <laughs> face on a milk carton. Like, yeah. yeah. Other milk carton movie that I vividly remember is Muhammad the Messenger of God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I don't hey, Mike, I, I was going to ask yes. you before you moved on. What Did you ever go to see movies at Radio City Music Hall when you were a kid? Never. Nope. I Never. did. I'm, I'm sure more than once, but the one that I remember for some reason is seeing The Little Prince at Radio City Music. Mm. Wow. Oh, wow. Which is not a very good movie, no. but I loved that book, and it seemed like a stage production yeah. of it. And Bob Fosse and Gene Wilder, that that one, yeah. Yeah. My know, wife has a Little Prince tattoo. Oh, During really? the uh, Tribeca Film Festival, when uh, I was there with my movie three years ago, they had they were showing The Godfather 1 and 2 there, and I wanted to go so badly, but... I never did see a movie there. I went to the Ziegfeld a few times, but never read I saw uh, American Graffiti and Animal House and the Blues Brothers in 70 Millimeter there. At Ziegfeld? In the 90s. Oh, no, no. This is Radio City. uh, Like a Universal Festival? A Universal Festival in the 90s, yeah. No, I didn't get to Radio City till Halloween 1985. I went to see Cheap Trick. 
Wow. That was the first time. Yeah, I was there for the first time during that festival for they had the Clive Davis documentary and then all these singers who sang who worked for him sang. So Barry Manilow. All right. Uh Dion Warwick boy. singing I know I'll never love this way again. <laughs> yes. Badass. And uh uh Carly Simon sang the theme from uh Not Working Girl, the uh Heartburn. And then Aretha wow. Franklin Coming around again. Yes. Aretha Franklin came out and sang, You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. And I cried because <laughs> it was amazing. Because it was true. And she then apologized because she had a, a respiratory problem. And wow. I was like, We should all have such respiratory problems. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, and then she sang that song that she did for Clive Davis, which was a free way of love. Mm-hmm. In a pink Cadillac. Oh, Riding hit. in a pink yep. Cadillac. Her yeah. 80s comeback yeah. hit. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Used to be Vision White. How'd you get your pants so tight, Pat? <laughs> <laughs> but that was the only time I was in there. Wow. That's pretty good. So, uh, before we go on to our second feature, uh, Aaron and Pat, why don't you talk about how you guys have known each other for a long time? Yes. Yeah, well, so... the, la- the last time, I was thinking the last time I saw you, I feel like it was at like the Independent Spirit Awards, right? Oh, that's right. You I feel were, like we I ran into you with, yeah, I was hanging out with Rain Wilson, and yeah, I feel like that was the last time I so saw you. So that was early 08. God damn, that's a long time ago. Oh my God. Because I was there with Great World of Sound. And, wow. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah, I remember Rain, and, and I said, I know Rain too, and uh, I guess that was the last time I saw you, but, you know, we used to do comedy. I wasn't really a comedian. I was, I was, I had a rough couple of years personally and professionally. And some friends of mine, I had uh, directed a, a couple of short movies, short films that were comedies. And Jay Johnston was a friend of mine who was wrote oh, on Mr. Show. And yeah. Jay uh, introduced me to this guy, Eric Hoffman, who, who also wrote on Mr. Show. And I cast Eric in both my shorts. And then, uh, I think it's sort of like, hey, come do this, you know, because I, w- I wasn't doing great. Uh, Matt Walsh was doing a UCB show before they opened the theater here. So he was doing this UCB sponsored show called Joe's Restaurant, which was, oh, Joe Restaurant, which was like about a guy trying to open up his own hard rock cafe, but he had shitty taste in music. So he had like <laughs> the outfield guitar, you know, like on the wall <laughs> and stuff great. like that. It's an improvised thing about that. And then I met Brendan Small, because I was doing it oh, at the, yeah. the Steve Allen Theater, who I just saw the other night, actually. And uh, uh, and so, the, you know, he started asking me to do sketch. And then uh, people like Jonah Ray and Josh Fadum uh, and Dan Forth France, they asked me to, to try stand-up, and I was interested in it. So we ended up hosting this show for a year, from, like, early 04 to... I left in May of '05 to do Great World of Sound, and so we in the basement of the Ramada Inn. And oh uh, my God, that show was so fun! It was so fun. It, 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 oh, it was so ridiculous. We did sketches. So we did like a running theme, so we would have like a Christmas Carol, and then in between, stand-ups would come. And Aaron was there, and with our dear friend Joe Wagner. That's right. Oh, Joe, a, leg- a legendary figure, brother, yes. brother Wags. Yes, Joe, Joe would have those those legendary meltdowns where the sweat the sweat would be like the the sweat in the cartoon strip where it's like you know the bubbles of sweat yeah. like the the halo of sweat around the head in the air. 
And you know but, what's uh, so brilliant about Joe? He would also fake that. I yeah, caught yes. him a different nights pouring water on his face before he went <laughs> yeah. on stage, which is so brilliant. My, my favorite story about Joe is I was married for about three seconds. Uh, this is now almost Joe? 10 years ago. It's a Joe. <laughs> I, was married, I was married to a woman uh, just, just long enough to convince everyone I'm not gay, as I like to say. And um, uh, I needed someone to serve uh, uh, her papers. Uh, oh my god! But she had agreed to it. I'd called her and said, "I can't, you can't do it yourself." So I had to get somebody to do it. So I asked Joe to do it, and uh, <laughs> but she knew she was going to be there waiting. But I guess he didn't understand that. So he showed up in a hat and a fake mustache, <laughs> <laughs> and he hid behind a plant. He hid behind this plant, like outside her office, and she came out and was like saw him there and was like joe he's like yeah he just hands it to her walks oh my god like you don't need to wear a disguise she's waiting for you dude yeah joe is the brother wags is the best i haven't seen him in so long yeah so i was doing comedy for like a year solid i mean all all week every week and mostly sketch but stand up sometimes and that's a good good fun time great group of people we used to do those shows Super at the, the m bar the open yes. mic at the m bar and the m bar where joe and i hosted one night and uh just fucked around like we're just so indulgent and stupid and louis ck finally walked on stage and said those guys are doing a bad job <laughs> and walked off <laughs> we, we had a totally similar experience we we, we hosted our group uh, josh and myself and danforth and chad Vogelin hosted and odenkirk did the same thing he came on <laughs> said we you know oh. for, yeah we're being too anarchic or something i don't know what it was Oh, those were good times. Yeah, well, they were really good times. You could just drink oh. endlessly. <laughs> and say so. stupid shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and before, and, and Mike, before we move on from Matilda, uh, there was one other yeah. thing I just wanted to throw in, which was you were talking about, I feel, or maybe you and Pat were talking about this, the, the message of the movie of like, you know, value life and take, I can't remember what the line was like, cherish every moment. But I love that, uh, what's his name? Reville at the end of the, it has the last line. He says, life is grand in it. And then you cut to the red balloon floating away, the red (laughs) balloon homage. How insane is that? Uh, That whole, like the whole framing device seems like an afterthought too, where it's like, Cause you have this big moment at the fight, and then it's like there's like yeah. five more minutes of like Elliot the Gould only, and his station wagon and the baby kangaroo and the only voiceover framing device that ever confused things more. Right, like doesn't clear <laughs> anything up. It only makes things more confusing. Like, and then well, Matilda went to go live with Uncle Nono, like in South America. Yeah, on a kangaroo farm. Yeah. yeah, he worked yeah. out his. He did, he wasn't mad about losing his million dollars. No. You think he would have taken it and skinned it alive or something, but (laughs) was it Art Matrano's character who becomes the William Morris agent? That was an unusual touch. Vice president at the William Morris agent, and he's it's a picture of him uh, leaning on a car with a really like inappropriately young woman. It seems. (laughs) Yes. Weird commentary. Good family picture. (laughs) Yes. It was safe to bring five year olds though. So. Yeah. All right. 
uh, out of Matilda and into something I'll dare say was worse. <laughs> uh, Backfire from 1995, a uh, parody film uh, in the era of post-Naked Gun parody films yeah. um, like Spy Hard and uh, Jane Austen's Mafia. It seemed like they, yeah. they kept coming. Then they, they stopped, then there was Scary Movie, and then they really kept coming. Yes. Yeah, well, uh, but at least they were involved with some of those, like, you know, Jim Abrams did Mafia, yeah. and uh, yeah. which is not good, but it has a few laughs in it. Right. And, and uh, the, the uh, Zuckers uh, later contributed to the they Scary the later Movies, scaries, yeah. which, which have some funny stuff in it. But yeah, I, I, I just want to start out saying that I don't think a movie with a score like this is a real movie. <laughs> yeah, like the score I have to agree. on a yeah, Casio keyboard, like it just—I don't even know like what the production value of was because it's just that's all I hear. It's just this, it's this horrible. It seems like a guy is just noodling on a Casio keyboard, like they like they didn't budget in a music budget or. Well, well it's funny you say that because they did budget in enough for. The crazy world of Arthur Brown's fire <laughs> right. and the platters yes. smoke it and smoke it's in your eyes. Yes. Like, yeah. how did they get the money for that? That's that makes just no like sense. A rookie mistake, you know. It's like blew it's, it all on that. Yeah. Yes, I bet they just took them and just played them, and that was it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But this yeah. is a uh, this tries to be that. First of all, it was backdraft that big of a movie. I mean, well, I that was my other question. That so, was a huge mistake too. There the was no big fire backdraft. genre then. Yes, I, I saw it once in the theater and whatever, and I never, I've never seen it since. I never saw backdraft, but I believe Aaron, you and I went on the backdraft. We went to the backdraft attraction at Universal Studios. <laughs> yeah, which was really right. stupid. They don't have yeah. that anymore. <laughs> Got that awesome. No, because it's backdraft. Who the hell wants to see that? I don't that know. Shit? Well, the Waterworld show is huge and it's great. But uh yeah, backdraft. Oh, I don't I, I just saw that. It's too. a weird target. And then it's like All right, it's, so that, to, uh, like just then make it a parody of backdraft like it's about a guy who wants to be the first female firefighter and all this like other shit piled on top of it. So yeah, so it, let's so let's walk through the structure yeah. a little bit. Here. So it's set in this alternate reality where firefighters are primarily women. And uh, Josh Mosby stars as Jeremy Jackson, which was the name of an actor who was on Baywatch for 10 years. Mm. Um, but uh, And his mother, played by Edie Falco. Yeah, Edie Falco, pre-fame Edie Falco. Uh, was a firefighter, and he he feels responsible for his de- her death because he switched on gas instead of water through the fire hose when she I enjoyed went to that. a burning building. <laughs> they really milked that gag. I enjoyed it. And um, so it's all about him becoming, you know, this uh, male fire woman. And so we have to talk now. I think Ben is going to hop in. Um, a lot. So Josh Mosby went to SUNY Purchase and uh, co-starred in... Oh, he was actually the star. I co-starred. In a day at school, which was uh, the senior thesis film by my seventy movies in the seven we saw in the seventies podcast co-host Ben Reiser. Wow, there are scenes and between Mike McPadden and Josh. That's Mosby right in this film. Wow! And, and, oh my god! When we intimate. get Patreon going, <laughs> yes, and Edie Falco finishing funds. All oh, right, Edie Falco, Falco is a SUNY, SUNY purchase. purchase. Right. She was like a year ahead of us, or two year or two ahead of us. 
So you know, Bill Sage was in there with you yeah, too. Right? Bill yeah. Sage was my year. Bill. I know. We Bill. were there with. Uh, I was there. I should say Parker with Posey. Uh, Parker Posey, right. Sherry Stringfield. They mm-hmm. were roommates, and apparently Moby. But I never, I never knew hide nor hair of Moby. So no, but the um, the uh, second RoboCop guy, Robert Burke. Robert Burke. Was that oh. who it was? Maybe, yeah. I think Robert Burke right. was this was a Robert John grad. Burke. Yeah, Robert John Burke was a yeah, because he he's a Hal Hartley guy and yeah, he, there you so, go, so, exactly. Yes, that's right. That's Hal Hartley was our was a purchase guy, but then the director, I think Mike was gonna say this. Yeah, well, go ahead. The director of this film, this guy Dean Bell, was also a per- and I only know I never met Dean Bell. I don't know Dean Bell from a hole in the wall except for. In my film, we I went to I, I was there for a Bachelor of Fine Arts in filmmaking, and ninety of one hundred and twenty credits were all film related. So we had this. I think it was in my sophomore year or junior year. We had an editing class that we had to take, and this editing class consisted of uh, we got all we everyone in the class got handed this footage, and apparently this footage that we got handed that we then had to spend the semester editing in various ways. This footage was was. Dean Bell's senior film from like three or four years before we were there. And for some reason they decided his footage was good for us to use in this editing class where we could sort of cut it up in a whole bunch of different ways. And I don't even remember what this footage looked like, except it was black and white. And I wasn't sure if they just printed it that way or he had shot it in black and white. But the one thing about this Dean Bell footage that everyone talked about, like it was the big deal about it, was that whatever this film he had been shooting that this footage was from, his location was Ralph Bakshi's personal house. So Dean Mm. Bell had some kind of relationship with Ralph Bakshi. And that's all I ever knew about Dean Bell. And then when I I couldn't believe that he had actually gone on and made this film. And we need to ask Josh all about that. Maybe uh, Ralph Bakshi did that wonderful uh, yeah. Rob Williams genie animation. I, that's what movie. I was thinking. I'm thinking oh my. that, too. No, I'm totally <laughs> so... thinking that. Yeah. What the fuck was that? So, and there's also, there's some kind of purchase in-joke in this movie. Oh, I'm, I'm sure there's well, That I recognize, oh. because uh, Josh Mosby's character drives a Yugo. Yeah. And in the movie Drowning Mona that was directed by Nick Gomez, mm-hmm. who was in class with you, yeah. as I recall, who was then, you know, one of the great Sopranos directors, one of the the gag is that everybody in the movie drives Yugos. That was in 2000. Do so you think that the Yugo thing is an, a purchase in-joke that gets carried over? I think it is. This and, is and also if you recall, a, apparently a sequel or a semi-sequel or was conceived as a sequel to another movie that the producer, writer... Oh wow! Oh, was it uh, Firehouse or yeah, Fireballs? Fire, yeah, Fire. Yeah, yeah it's like a yeah. sex comedy about a firehouse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. like, do you think it was like a we have a bunch of costumes and sets? <laughs> I'm sure around that's right. Kind of but those are like those. That's a Canadian movie, Fireballs. So it must have been Fire. I can't remember. Yeah, we got it. I got it. I know again. I know someone. I should that, know this. That's done a movie, and he was actually a producer on this movie named John Weiner. Oh. Who did a, a movie called Blue Vengeance with this the producer oh. of this movie whose name escapes me at the Chris something J Christian Engvordson yeah. Christian Engvordson yeah. yeah. and they did yeah. this movie yeah. called Blue Vengeance which has a cult following I guess they showed it at the Alamo in Brooklyn not too long ago but uh, uh, yeah that's all I really know about it. I that, that this was originally conceived of as a, as a sequel to that but then they went this uh, spoof route. 
So, uh, yeah, the funniest thing about J. Christian Ingvardsen, who who did has been you know tremendously prolific with like straight to video action movies, but there's a hilarious line from his IMDb bio. Ingvardsen's productions have starred Robert Mitchum, Shelley Winters, Telly Savalas, and Kathy Ireland, among others. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the cast of Backfire. I just yeah. want to say, only two films in the history of movies have featured both Robert Mitchum and Shelley Winters. One is one of the towering <laughs> achievements of cinema. And the other and is Night other? of the Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Perfect setup. Sight of a dumper. <laughs> uh, he's credited as a Dean Bell. Is that too, so yeah. that you're not confused with the Dean Bell? With the Dean <laughs> <laughs> I want you to go through the plot more, but I I, I will say because I, I took this note because I I was for a movie that's you know it does the Zucker Abrams Zucker style of a joke every second. Yeah. The first time I uh, laughed was ten minutes in, and it was a construction guy farting on the way to an outhouse. <laughs> oh, boy, does he ever! Yeah, yeah. he blows himself yeah. up. Yeah. But but I mean yeah, the first one he squeezes out on the way there that, that got the first chuckle out of me. You, so, you know what? Yeah, I'll tell you the the laugh I got. And and by the way, the I have so few. people understand. I, I had a few too, but uh, it's one of those. It's the most shameless use of the uh, the joke over and over. Is just the old Amelia Bedelia comedy structure. It's just you you're putting words in my mouth, and someone pulls words yeah. out. Yeah, and, I'm gonna know, give sh- him a piece of my mind. Yes, yeah. mind your peas and cute. I mean, just any. Yeah. But, but for whatever reason, it's like that symphony it's written all over your face. It constantly. But there was after all those, there was one I didn't see coming. It was Kathy Ireland saying to Josh Mosby, "I have to go," and he said, "Well, go behind the truck. I won't look." Remember that one? <laughs> that, that was the good. one I left. I didn't see that one I didn't coming. Even notice. Yes, my, I have to go. My favorite one is when. Um, when uh, Mitchum sort of plays the Lloyd Bridges and the Hot Shots uh, part in this, when when oh, the, uh, God. he sees the, the, at the beginning at the at the outhouse where the guy farts and blows himself up, uh, the uh, I think it's Mary McCormick says he does. You think it's arson? And he says, "Our our son. I haven't seen our son since the Comanches raided the village." <laughs> Okay, how about the fact that Mitchum then... Think about fucking Robert Mitchum having to act this scene where the coroner, the the man who's blown himself up, he farted himself to death and burned to death, the coroner reaches into his corpse to pull out the undigested beans that he ate and gives them to Mitchum to smell. Puts them right in his face. (laughs) Yeah, And he goes, goes, (laughs) (laughs) refried. Well, later on, he finds that the, the, the woman who blows up in the bathtub... And he, and he, you know, her breast implants are left. And he's, like, crawling on the floor and doing this, like, weird, yeah. acting out this weird psychosexual thing, too. I mean, he was game. Like, he, yeah. had, he did a lot oh, of yeah. unexpected he, physical comedy. He worked yeah. way hard in this one for how late it was. Yeah, that whole end physical sequence with him. Yeah, he, yeah he where he's being dragged. And, all, and also he has yes. that one where the, the lead, uh, your, your buddy says... Uh, can I see you in your office alone? Because he wants to tell him that, and Mitchum goes, "Oh yeah, I have a wife and kids. Maybe if this had happened earlier, like at summer camp." <laughs> <laughs> can, 
can we just admit this movie was hilarious? <laughs> well, <laughs> can we just God come laughing now about well, it? Well, Shelley yeah. Winters is pretty funny too. I mean, she's like, really funny. She really sold it. Like she Shelley really Winters did. and uh, Telly Savalas and and Mitchum are like pros, and they're like they yeah. probably got some cash, and they're they yeah. they showed up and they're doing their job. Yeah, you know. Yeah. It just, it's right. so cheap and looks so oh, shitty. And like I said, the music, gosh. and these parody movies have to be brightly lit. It has to be yeah. the most flat, shockingly bright sitcom yeah. lighting. And it's instead it's dark and looks awful. And yeah, it's yeah that was the thing. What they said about airplane is that they, you know, they had a great uh, cinematographer and he right. wanted to light it like those movies, but they were like, no, 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 it's no blast it. Yeah. Comedy. Yes. Everybody has to see everything, especially visual humor, you know? Yeah. But it just, it just again, it's like that coupled with the score. It's just like, it's not a oh. real movie. And I just like, that's, it's a sketch show. Like, do this on stage or something. But, ugh. So, um, yeah. So, Josh Mosby is uh, is the grown-up uh, kid who wants to be the firewoman. And Mary McCormick, best known probably from uh, private parts, is Allison. Allison! Um, she's his sister. It's pretty funny that she's smoking cigarettes the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, Kristen Johnston is another firewoman. Kathy Ireland is Mosby's girlfriend. I thought Kristen Johnston was the bartender. Is she also? Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, she was Kate the bartender. Yeah. I got confused. That's all right. Sorry. It's a little <laughs> dimly right. lit. It's hard to tell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. And uh, yeah, Robert Mitchum is Fire Marshal Mark Marshall. And he wears Tilly a Savalis cowboy plays shirt. Most Evil Man. Shelley Winters is Lieutenant Scheisshouse, spelled Lieutenant Shithouse. Uh, 23 minutes in, we get an Arab terrorist asking Josh Mosby Mosby, for directions to the World Trading Center. (laughs) Oh, God. And that was like, they were shooting that within a year of that bombing in 93. Right. 93, yeah. Where six people died and like a thousand people Uh. were injured. And it's like, it's like, like, it would be like today if like there's like a joke in one of these movies where... A guy is like with a gun is like, you tell me where Sandy Hook Elementary is. Like, <laughs> like could that be funny? It's like, well, we're we're laughing. So yeah, yeah. It's yeah. funny because you see the twin towers a lot in the background in the first yeah. couple scenes, and then so then it, it really hits home when that. Thing. They probably shoot in like Weehawken uh, or yeah. um, Jersey City. Um, yeah. So yeah, so we also we get the animated Aladdin parody out of nowhere, which was. Yeah, what is it? He finds really? a gas lamp inside one of the yeah, fires, yeah. and then a, there's a... Yeah. Right, and a Robin Williams imitation, which yeah. was not, at this point in 95, like a hack stand-up imitation. I, I don't know. I, I no, felt I, like... I was surprised yeah. at the level of ambition in this compared to a lot of the other Zucker knockups. Like, yeah. they, they clearly had no money, but got, like to even go, we'll do an animated sequence. Like, they, they tried hard. I like <laughs> they, that. They, they weren't they funny, were, but they tried. They were like... They didn't care about offending Robin Williams because they clearly imitate his voice, but they make a genie a different color so that they don't get sued. <laughs> it was red. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. And uh, it, it actually it reminded me of uh, the movie Evil Tunes, the Fred, Fred Olin Ray Evil I remember Evil that one. I haven't seen that one. Oh, it I... has a cartoon demon designed by Chaz Ballin, <laughs> who was a horror zine writer. Yeah, I want to watch you, it. You know what's... You know what's funny? Yeah. When I worked at Blind Date, the the infamous yeah. dating reality show yes. with Joe Wagner, 
Uh, one of the editors, yeah. yeah, one of the editors we worked with was editing Evil Tunes while we were <laughs> like late at night. He'd be working on Evil Tunes, you know, behind the backs of the Blind Date producer. I had a friend from high school that went on that show, and he acted like a complete douche, and they just trashed him. And it, but he would invite, he'd fight people over to watch it, where he's just yeah. humiliated. <laughs> Yeah, we have a friend uh, named Dame Darcy, who's a great artist, who's That's been right. on that like six times. Yeah, wow. that's right. I yeah. remember that. Yeah, it was a fun show. Um, and Robert Mitchum also gets to say, "I'm getting too old for sniffing around toilets." <laughs> that was great. Yeah, good line. Yeah, and and so is this. Was this the last movie that Tali Savala shot? Because he's dedicated. It's dedicated to him at the end. I would think so. You know, he he. Mitchum was not making this type of like direct-to-video shit, really, uh -oh. but Telly was. But Mitchum was doing a lot of television, like you know, he'd yes, done all his TV yeah. movies, and he did uh, the <laughs> the NBC series "A Family for Joe" from 1990, yeah. where he was a homeless man, mm -hmm. and these four kids get suddenly orphaned, and they just they hire him to pretend to be their guardian and they fall in love with him have you ever watched was it that? a sitcom was no it i know it, no it was like it was like a sunday night like hour-long show it, like, wow. to compete with like life goes on and stuff it's amazing or, you gotta see our it. house with uh wilford brimley yeah oh, oh he did that great. movie with uh i haven't seen it it's something thompson's last run it's like him and wilford brimley are old pals and right. wilford brimley is a cop and he's a criminal and Brimley has to bring him in, and it's like a midnight oh, run uh, time. Wow. Oh, my God. From gosh. the 80s. Wow. It's on Prime sometimes, but I, I couldn't find it. It's not up there right now. I think it actually might be where we found this, where I saw this movie, but I'm not yeah. sure. But A Family for Joe lasted nine episodes. Two of the kids were uh, young Ben Savage and Juliette Lewis. Yeah. Just a nice. year before Cape Fear. Yeah. Another Robert Mitchum connection. Yeah. yeah. But But again, didn't feel bad for him. In no. this, even no. even no. with the the monologue about selling puppies, burned puppies oh, to, the Chinese, to the Chinese, <laughs> even even then, I was like, well, you know, he's he's committing. He was funny. Yeah, I was surprised that the movie is is it's a PG thirteen. I was surprised it wasn't more crass. It had no nudity. Had all the sexy fire ladies, and Josh oh. Mosby in the group shower. Oh, that right. They, they steal the joke. That's the other thing is that it's not just a movie in the mold of Zucker Abrams Zucker. They oh, steal jokes dude. right from those I, movies. I got yeah. so fucking angry at one point. Like where he's where like, the, he the said, hospital, what is the, what is it? Yeah. And, or whatever. But somebody says City Hall and he yeah. goes, what's that? He goes, that's a building downtown where the mayor's office is, but that's not important right now. I was like, yes, I was enraged but the, <laughs> at the, this point. The yeah. Josh Mosby body double thing is from Naked Gun 2 with the, right. yeah. where they cut to Leslie Nielsen's body and he's got the ripped abs and stuff and i want to say that uh, josh mosby had a very memorable shower scene in another ben riser production mm. where he was covered in shit and throwing up blood <laughs> well, you know what you know what scene reminded me most of this of that college film that you're talking about was when mosby uh, spits up some kind of oatmeal stuff and they're yeah, about to give him mouth to mouth coming, yeah. what what was yeah. it that he why was he throwing up at that point in the movie i can't remember that happens he in this movie too. Yeah, in this, and that's what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. In this movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, he, he was coming he, out of a fire. Or okay. I can't remember. Somebody doesn't remember. want to give uh, him mouth to mouth because he's vomited. Or yeah, whatever. and he vomits in that junior scene that I yeah. had with him. Yeah, where he's naked, yeah. comes out of a shower, eats soap, throws up, shit, got shit yeah. all over his body. 
the soap, which I recall was white chocolate. Yes. I remember. <laughs> yes. It looked delicious. Yes. Smart. I'm talking about Josh's cock and balls. The soap looked pretty good, too. <laughs> there was a scene in this movie that I was too lazy to get up and, and <laughs> rewind to, to figure out. But but I, like, I, I looked away, and then I looked back at the screen. There, the, there, he's eating in the firehouse with all the ladies, and everything they're eating is round, like onion rings and donuts. And it's all like junk food and stuff, yeah. It, so that was the joke. The joke uh, was that it was, was junk like food, not shells? that it's all round stuff. I, I like watched, I, I couldn't. I was watching it, and I'm, yeah. I, I feel the same way you do. Yeah, I was like, yeah. what is the gag here? I, I, yeah, okay. I thought right. that about so know. many of the gags. Like, wait, what was the joke just now? Yeah, that was a weird one. I like that, that Telly one. before. You know, Telly's coming because the Jurassic Park. That uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> stomping and the glass of water starts, and then Telly shows up, and the first time he shows up is pretty funny because he's clipping his fingernails and it's going in the coffee of the people that that he's talking to. <laughs> yeah. I, again, again, having watched maybe every bad Zucker style parody movie ever, uh, like I said, not a funny one, but the use, the references were pretty hip for this time. Beavis and Butthead, Mystery yeah. Science Theater, oh, Jurassic the, Park that, coming that right up there. Mystery Science Theater thing is, comes out of nowhere. What is uh, that? Totally out of nowhere, but the fact that they were being that cool with their references yeah. was surprising to me. Yeah, yeah like if it, maybe if it looked good and had an actual score, you would be like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it would have been tolerable. You know? The, the, you know, like, and I was thinking this is like in the coronavirus curve of these parody movies. This is like the peak, it, it like the last Naked Gun movie was the year before this. Mm. And Scary right. Movie was about four or five years later. It was so like 2000. Yeah. This was the explosion of the shitty spy hard. This was you the know, Silence of the Hams. Wrong, Silence wrong of the Hams. Yeah. But oh, one of my favorites, well, I think one of my favorites and one of the most explosive reactions I've ever seen in a theater, Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood. Directed which is maybe the hardest Parker. I've ever seen a, a film kill. Yeah. Like people tearing up the theater and shit. That guy is my boss, the director of that movie, Paris Barkley, is my boss on the uh, firefighter show that I'm, that I'm on, Station 19. Oh, my God. Wow. He's the main hey, it, producing director him, of the show. Tell him great job. Tell him, it's the, tell, him him it was the, tell him it was the Chinese <laughs> theater, the Chinese yeah. theater opening night, and people lost their shit. He was probably I mean, like, there. Yeah. Oh, God, it was great. Back somewhere. So at the end, I think when uh, Mary McCormick and Josh Mosby, their rubber choking faces, I guess that's a parody of uh, Total Recall. Oh the, yeah, the good call. Big, I didn't even think know, of that. Yes, goes out on the surface of oh, Mars. Oh right, yeah, it's all fucked up. Yep. There yes, were, there were things the right that part. I remembered from Backdraft, like you know, uh, the the screwing on the when him and Kathy Ireland do it on the fire truck. I remember it was the scene with Jennifer Jason Lee and Billy Baldwin in Backdraft. But I don't think it comes up. There's no good jokes there in this. No, it's like I said. It's just such a misfire to do a parody of Backdraft. Like, every other one of these movies, at least there'd be a couple. There there are cop movies. Yeah. <laughs> there are yeah. uh, there are spy movies. There, there are horror movies. But yes, you it, don't do the one firefighter you movie. You need to be f familiar with the structure so right. vividly that you can just let yourself go and enjoy all the jokes and get all the references and everything. And it's just like, <laughs> ugh. I, I couldn't help but think, though, Mike, with the the whole thing of like, imagine a world where women are firefighters, yeah. and uh, you know, like uh, 
Charlie Brooker, the Black Mirror creator. I've always yeah. you always read interviews with him where he said he's always wanted to do an episode of Black Mirror that is set in like Zucker land. Right. Like he's always wanted, but he's never been able to crack it, you know. And yeah. when I was watching this, I was thinking like you and I have talked about. If this movie was made today, that would be it'd be like Ryan Murphy's Hollywood. Like this is a serious <laughs> that let, no, let's seriously imagine a world yeah, where right. women are firefighters. <laughs> like yeah. well, this would be a very serious it's movie. funny on the show that I'm on, Station Nineteen, there's three women firefighters in one station. Uh, a, a white one, a, a Latina one, and and a an African American woman and and it, it gets criticized because there's like rarely ever one woman in any fire station anywhere. Right, right. Never would be <laughs> right. three. Um, right. But you, you know what, what you were missing were what you're missing are moments where somebody says I'm shitting bricks and then a brick falls out, yeah. like you have in this movie. <laughs> How long that, are you going to carry what... that ball and chain around? It's like that uh, <laughs> the Tex Avery uh, symphony and slang cartoon from the fifties. Yeah. Uh, oh yes, you know? it's yeah. like from the fifties. You know. So, yeah. uh, I have to say, by the end of this movie, I was furious. I was very angry. <laughs> wow, really? I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't even be bothered I, to get worked that's up. That's funny. Yeah. I, I felt like I was suffering. And it brought to mind, um, like, w when those guys, what were their names? Uh, Jason Friedberg and Al Aaron Seltzer. Well, that's, yeah, that's the that's the nader, yeah. Date movie, epic movie, Meet the Spartans, disaster movie. Yeah. They, so, like, people just were so enraged by those movies. Mm -hmm. And, like, I yeah. didn't see any of them. So I'd be like, yeah, and, you, and you, you're the same jerk-offs that cream over the serious Batman movies, so go fuck yourself. <laughs> but I now sympathize with that reaction. Well, it, it, it's it's interesting because it, it makes... It groups it together with the other movies that are good and gives them yeah. a bad name. Because it's like, oh, it's sure. one of those yes. parody movies. So maybe somebody that's going to see Airplane or Blazing Saddles or whatever doesn't see right. it, you know? And it's like, it, it just, because they, they, it's like, you know, every Shakespeare's, you know, public domain, so anyone can do it. So tons of tons of people think that Shakespeare sucks and is boring because they've seen <laughs> yeah, some right. horrible, you know, high school or community yeah. theater production or something, you know? And, right. and, uh, I kind of feel that way about this. It's just sort of like really dilutes something that's really special and, and, and great by really just kind of stealing it and doing it badly. And and shoot, shooting it badly, like I said, and also the high concept thing, the, the thing about like it's an alternate universe, it's just too much to think about. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I got to be honest with you, I don't know if I read an article yesterday about the Borat sequel that's coming out and right. how the concept is, because he is so recognizable now, the concept of the movie is that Borat is so recognizable that Borat is doing bits in disguise now oh. in order that Sasha Baron oh. and I was like that's uh, instantly that's too much for me to yeah. think in going to see the Borat movie like yeah I mean I think that's I personally my favorite movie of theirs is Top Secret I mean I, I think I, oh I, my I, god I, well, oh, it's so but great. I think the reason that that movie didn't do well is because it has a little of that I like it because Probably. of that but it's an Elvis movie and a war yeah. movie and it's you know got all kinds of crazy plot things in it and it's not straightforward and that probably explains the success of something it's just like everyone had seen all the airport movies they knew all the yeah. things and just go in and you know tell the jokes but 
So it can be done, but I tend to agree with you. It's like you're already taking a, a big leap. You know, uh, it's backdraft, which people aren't that familiar with. It's this alternate universe and then these dumb jokes <laughs> on top of it. And it's like, and then you can't see anything and the score makes you want to fucking gouge your eardrums out. Jesus Christ. <laughs> if I could call it yeah. such. You know what else it brought to mind? I forgot was, uh, do you, any, you guys remember the 70s late night Norman Lear soap opera, All That Glitters? No. Oh, no. It uh-uh. did not last long, but it was like five nights a week, and it was about, wow. it was a universe where women were in charge. Yeah. Oh, I would have loved that. Five nights now, a I week. I watched a couple of them because I, I thought maybe something sexy would happen. Like, it was it syndicated? <laughs> like a late night thing or something like that? It was like a that? late night thing, but it wasn't like as oh my God. campy as Mary Hartman. Oh, God. That sounds so great. It was just it was more kind of straight. Odd. Yeah, yeah. But it was definitely satirical also, but it was way underplayed right to my eight-year-old perception yeah <laughs> it, top secret something like that works though because the gags are just so well executed yeah. i mean they're just brilliantly executed and i will i'll give them credit there was one gag in this movie i was really impressed it's it's such a small thing he gets in the fire truck for the first time and he puts in an eight track and it says and the, and, and the top of the eight track says fire truck classics or something like that yeah. and as he puts it in you see the spine says sirens and then the sirens come on <laughs> yeah. and i was like now that was really well executed that he yeah. we saw this setup and then he put it in and we saw that and then the sirens came on yeah but but yeah, yeah so, so i will i like i said i can't remember what our rating system was we didn't so go with <laughs> we didn't was it Mitch, robert mitchum or rotten cum shit <laughs> rotten cum shit rotten All right. shit cum. So Rotten I'm going to give this. Sorry, I'm yeah. going to go Rotten right down the middle. Makes no sense, Mike. Come on. <laughs> You're right. I'm going to. Yeah. I'm going to give this Robert cum shit. I'm going to go right down the middle. Wow. On this okay. One. Yeah, Just, I will. I'm giving both of them a big cum <laughs> shit. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I. That was like three of the longest hours of my life. That's how I felt. Yeah. And did you guys stick through the funny credits at the end? Did you watch I that? I saw some of them just to see if they would do it. Like you know, and it's like, it's like really just rip off like where they have like. Uh, Three blind mice, you know, like, and then it says, like, yes. you know, like, uh, see, how they, see how they run next to it and shit. But then it ends, the very last one was very, for the its time, I was shocked, this kind of angry Twitter rant. It ends, it, here, I'm going to read it, it ended saying, no mimes were injured in the making of this motion picture, furs were not worn, all catering was strictly vegetarian, filmed entirely in a non-smoking area. All females were referred to as, quote, women. White males were considered suspect and made to feel guilty. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the last, that's the last thing on the screen. Well, <laughs> I was like, well, Jesus well, Christ. Right before Big Picture Telly and In Memory of Telly Savalas. <laughs> that's right, yes. In loving memory. Telly, who wrote that last gag. Yeah, <laughs> I did note that twelve individual actors are credited as ninja. Twenty-seven individual as actors are credited as party, party animal. animal. Yeah, party. And animal. Cindy Poster has the sole distinction of being credited as ninja slash party animal. <laughs> <laughs> Crossover. Yeah, that's oh, a Pat. Boy. This was a dream. Oh, this was great. This is great. Yeah, guys. I, I wish that. You know, we could talk more about Robert Mitchum, but he, he's, he's a little sidelined in these. <laughs> he was too good. He's too he's dignified. Too, he's too we good. couldn't make fun of him. We couldn't talk about. Well, do you want to do an, a part two? You want to come back because I have some other candidates for that fit the crackpot mold. So we got 
Secret Ceremony. I've seen that. Joseph Losey, which is great. Yeah. Uh, Agency from 1980, which I never heard of. That's like an ad agency movie, I think. Yeah, but it's about he plays an evil billionaire who buys an ad agency to put subliminal advertising in, in everything and control society. And the only person who can stop him is Lee Majors. Jesus. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Night Kill, also from 1980, which is a TV movie with Jacqueline Smith. That was the one where you said looked like a slasher movie. Yeah, but yeah marketed as a slasher movie, yeah. Uh, the Ambassador, the canon That's movie. That's a great movie. I love that uh, one. Midnight Ride with uh, Mark Hamill as a psycho hitchhiker, which was sold wherever they could get away with it as The Hitcher 2. Mm. Uh, and and then the one we will not do is James Dean Race with Destiny. Yeah. With Casper oh, where Van he plays uh, George Stevens. <laughs> I'm looking George at this Stevens. poster for Agency. It's yeah. got, it's got your. You guys talked about Sal Rubinek on the show yeah. and, and Valerie Perrine. Ooh, all right, yeah, let's do that one. Advertising is a serious game. Now it's a deadly one at the agency. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, when I was looking at that, I was like, you know, we should also we could do a, a Lee Majors show with that. And steel. Oh, steel! Boys want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I haven't seen that one. I, oh, I, steel is the seventh samurai of construction work. <laughs> With Lee Majors. <laughs> yeah. And I, I want to see the Mitchum, uh, the Amsterdam kill. I've never seen that one. The Robert Klaus oh, yeah. one. Yeah. Is that good? Never saw it. Yeah. Would love to see. Hard it. to see. Yeah. But yes, I would come back, and I'll just I can come back. You know, this for me is like when those people pay you know millions of dollars to. North Shore Animal League to sit in on a power show. Like, <laughs> you guys have been my friends, you know, during this pandemic because I, wow. I go on my oh, walks and, my, and I listen to you and now I'm actually interacting with you. And so thank oh, you so much for having me. Thank you so oh, much. Yeah. Thanks. So uh, we ask our guests to uh, sign off with our sign off, but put your own Pat Healy spin on crack or get off the okay. pot, please. Let's see. Hello, this is Pat Healy. Crack or get off the pod. Oh, bravo. Yes. Thank you, Pat. You can use that as like yeah. a little, you know. We will. Like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. A bumper, a stinger, if you will. Yeah, yeah, stinger. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Thank guys. you, Ben. Thanks, Pat. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Mike. Right. Thanks, Thanks Aaron. Ben. What do we have Good next week, Aaron? Who's on next week? David Goodman, president oh. of the Writers Guild of America. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. To talk about the legend of the Lone Ranger. Oh, that's Jesus. right. That's a snooze. <laughs> uh, uh, oh. Tune in. We'll make it exciting.